book eleven chapter seven through eleven of of the love of god by st francis de sales translated by h l sidney lear this librivox recording is in the public domain book eleven the supreme authority of love over all the soul's virtues actions and perfections chapter seven the highest virtues cannot exist apart it is said that life is conveyed first of all members to the heart by the union of the soul and last to the eye the reverse taking place in death when the eye is the first member which loses its vitality and the heart the last the life which kindles the heart before birth is necessarily frail but as the rest of the frame gradually develops it becomes stronger as again when life declines whichever member suffers all the rest suffer with it if a man injures his arm or leg his whole body feels the pain and discomfort his countenance is changed by any anguish internal or external and this because the whole human frame is adapted to one purpose each part fitting duly to the other it is much the same with our moral life all the virtues cannot be attained at once but rather one after another as reason which may be called the soul of our moral being takes possession and direction first of one then of another passion and for the most part this spiritual life begins in that which we may call the heart of the passions namely love which spreading over all else kindles them to life by contemplation while moral or spiritual death enters through the eyes gazing upon sin as the prophet says death is come up into our windows jeremiah chapter nine verse twenty one and so puts out love whereupon our spiritual life is extinguished no doubt it is possible for some virtues to exist separately but they will be frail and uncertain because reason which is the living principle of the soul is never satisfied without possessing every faculty and passion and if it is wounded in any one the whole moral life is affected and fails all virtues are such through their conformity to reason and no act is really virtuous unless it arises from the heart's love for that which is beautiful and good such a love will always be influenced by reason and thereby virtuous acts will be produced if jacob loved rachel only because she was laban's daughter why did he dislike leah who was no less laban's child but we know that he loved rachel because of her beauty and although leah bare him children he never cared in like manner for her if a man loves one virtue through love of the reason and goodness he perceives in it he will love all virtues finding the same attraction in all he who admires liberality but cares not for chastity 
proves that his admiration is not because of its intrinsic beauty, which is still more eminent in chastity, and we cannot help feeling that such a one's liberality is unreal, not springing from the true source whence all virtue must arise. It is enough that a child be born in wedlock to entitle him to bear the name and rank of his parents, but he will not inherit their natural qualities unless he be born in lawful course. So our actions are attributed to reason and bear the name of virtues. But if they spring from other and illegitimate motives, they are worthless. What can the prudence of him who is intemperate and unjust be worth, inasmuch as he deliberately chooses vice and rejects virtue? Or how can a man be just who is not prudent, firm, and temperate, inasmuch as justice is neither more nor less than a strong, persistent determination to render to every one that which is his? The very science of administering justice is called jurisprudence, and surely he who cannot do justice to himself by temperance and purity is not likely to do justice to others. By the very word virtue, we mean a property of the soul, just as we speak of the virtue of a plant or of a precious stone prudence becomes imprudent in the intemperate strength without prudence justice and temperance is mere violence justice becomes unjust in the coward or in him who cannot distinguish between right and wrong in short no one virtue can exist in perfection without its concomitant virtues of course all the virtues are not called for at once and indeed a man may be a saint without ever needing to exercise some kinds of virtue for example saint paul the first hermit who in his wilderness had no occasion to practice forgiveness meekness or liberality but at the same time such persons are so habitually guided by reason that were the occasion to arise for any such virtue, they would be ready to practice them without hesitation or reserve. Men are liable to the mistake of accepting certain merely natural advantages as virtue, as in the case of people who are naturally sober, gentle, or pure. But these qualities have no merit any more than natural evil inclination constitutes vice, until they are voluntarily accepted and acted on. There is no merit in a small appetite, but abstinence on religious grounds is a virtue. Natural taciturnity has no virtue, but deliberate reticence of speech is different. Some people think that if they are free from a positive vice, it is all the same as possessing its antagonistic virtue. He who never was in battle may certainly say that he never ran away, but that does not prove his valor. He who has never suffered may boast of not being impatient, but he can scarce boast of his patience. 
thus good inclinations are often mistaken for virtues and as it is quite possible to have some good inclinations without others people suppose it to be the same with virtues in a letter written by saint augustine to saint ambrose he shows that it is possible to possess some virtues apart after a feeble fashion but that none can be carried to perfection by itself whereas one vice may exist alone indeed it is not possible for all the vices to exist together so that it does not follow that a man who has lost all virtues has acquired all vices nearly every virtue has two antagonistic vices which are incompatible with each other thus the presumptuous man cannot at the same time be cowardly and the prodigal cannot be a miser catalina was sober and patient in bearing cold and hunger and therefore he and his party boasted of his fortitude but he was not prudent inasmuch as he chose evil rather than good he was not temperate for he indulged in many vicious courses he was not just for he conspired against his country so that his fortitude dwindles down to mere obstinacy and was simply an imposture chapter eight charity comprehends all virtues a river went out of eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became into four heads genesis chapter two verse ten even so man is set in pleasant places which are watered by the river of reason and natural light and that river is separated into four heads in other words it flows in four different courses according to the four faculties of the soul thus first it influences the practical understanding pointing out such actions as we ought to perform or shun and natural light supplies prudence in the choice we have to make between good and evil secondly it sends forth justice to guide the will that is a firm continual resolution to render every man his due thirdly it supplies temperance to control the passions and lusts fourthly it bridles the impulses of anger these four rivers are further subdivided to the better government of all human actions but beyond all this god has given a special favor to christians causing to well forth in the higher nature a supernatural fountain which we call grace which while really proceeding of love which purifies the soul of all sin yet includes faith and hope and which endows it with the utmost spiritual beauty this sacred fountain imparts heavenly prudence to the understanding holy justice to the will temperance and devotion to the passions and impulses thereby causing the heart of man to tend wholly to that purity and supernatural happiness which are only to be attained through union with god
when any of these streams of love come across one of the natural virtues they absorb it mingling their own sweetness with it as perfume imparts its savour to water or if holy love does not meet with such natural virtues it is able of itself to achieve the needful work for instance love encountered many natural gifts in a paul an ambrose a dionysius a pecomius which were sanctified and turned to god's service but in the multitude of others such as the magdalene saint mary of egypt or the good thief where no natural gift appeared love alone worked all that was needed transforming itself into patience gentleness humility and the like we sow many seeds and bury all alike in the ground until the sun so to say causes their resurrection and each brings forth its flowers and fresh seed according to its kind all of which however diverse are produced by the gracious warmth of the sun's rays so god has sown the seeds of many virtues in man's heart but they are so covered under the soil of weakness and imperfection that they are scarce perceived till such time as the vital heat of holy love awakens and revives them causing them to bring forth all manner of graces like as the manna of the desert had every variety of pleasant flavor to the israelites so heavenly love possesses every manner of perfection and brings it forth as needed joshua overcame god's enemies by his able generalship but samson overcame them more marvelously with his own hand joshua's strength lay in his troops but samson's was personal heavenly love combines the two for it wields and marshals the virtues already existing in the soul such as faith hope or penitence and supplies whatever is lacking itself more effectually than all besides st paul does not merely say that charity imparts patience meekness and the like but that it is itself patient and meek and it is the special characteristic of the highest virtues in angels and men that they not only move others but act themselves a bishop confers holy orders and commissions all those who exercise any ecclesiastical office whether it be to preach or teach to administer sacraments exercise etc but he who confers the power on others is also able to exercise all such offices himself so st thomas alluding to the apostle's words charity suffereth long etc says charity is the sum and completion of all the other virtues and st ambrose writing to demetrius calls patience and the like members of charity while st augustine says that the love of god comprises all virtues and achieves all their results in man the division of virtues under four heads he says alluding to the cardinal virtues 
comes from the diverse affections arising from love i should define these four virtues thus temperance love giving itself wholly to god fortitude love willingly enduring all things for god justice and strength serving god only and thereby ruling whatever is subject to man uprightly prudence love selecting whatever may promote union with god and rejecting all that can hinder it so he who has charity has a wedding garment glorious like joseph's in its diverse colors and glittering with all graces or better still he possesses a perfection which is the epitome of all perfections of all virtues and so charity is kind envieth not but is lowly vaunteth not itself but is humble seeketh not her own but is considerate is not easily provoked but peaceful thinketh no evil but is generous rejoiceth not in iniquity but in the truth beareth all things believeth all things that are good not arguing or contending hopeth all things for a neighbor's salvation endureth all things in a word charity is that gold tried in the fire which our lord counseled the bishop of laodicea to buy of him which is worth all other riches which is able to accomplish all things which is our all in all chapter nine all virtues derive their perfection from holy love love is the bond of perfectness colossians chapter three verse fourteen inasmuch as all spiritual perfection is combined therein and without it there can neither be any combination of virtues nor any single virtue in perfection without mortar to bind the stones a wall will soon fall without nerves and tendons the body would perish without love no virtue can abide our lord always speaks of love as a necessary part of fulfilling his commandments he that hath my commandments and keepeth them he it is that loveth me he that loveth me not keepeth not my commandments john chapter fourteen verses twenty one and twenty four whoso keepeth his word in him is the love of god perfected one john chapter two verse five this is the love of god that we keep his commandments one john chapter two verse three and he who had all the virtues would necessarily keep all the commandments since he who has the virtue of religion will keep the three first dutifulness observes the fourth kindness the fifth purity the sixth generosity the seventh truth the eighth and honesty regularly the ninth and tenth and if we cannot keep the commandments without love still less can we attain to all virtues without it it may be possible to have some virtue and abstain a while from offending god even without his love 
but so we sometimes see an uprooted tree put forth frail uncertain shoots and just as they will not come to maturity so the natural good qualities of man's heart cannot come to any real perfection without love nor can the virtues apart from it achieve their rightful end which is man's happiness any virtue taken without charity is little worth because it cannot achieve the end of all virtues man's happiness the bee begins its existence as a mere grub without legs or wings then it becomes a small fly and at last when full grown it can both fly and make honey so the virtues have a beginning growth and perfection they may possibly begin without the help of love and even make some progress but they can never advance to any perfection without charity which wings their heavenward flight and gathers in the honey of true sanctification what the sun is among the heavenly bodies such is charity among virtues giving to each its brightness and beauty faith hope fear and repentance may first possess the heart and make ready for charity but it alone can kindle and quicken any or all other virtues have great power to sustain and perfect one another for example chastity both necessitates and confirms temperance obedience quickens prayer humility and generosity and by such intercommunication they enhance the value one of another thus chastity acquires a double worth through obedience to lawful authority and aristotle says that the man who steals for some impure end is more guilty of impurity than of theft the latter being merely the means to his end so he who is chaste out of obedience is even more obedient than pure but not even this combination of purity and obedience is perfect without love and were it possible to bring every virtue together in one man but without charity he would resemble the inanimate body of adam when god formed him out of the dust of the earth without life motion or grace until god breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul divine love is so supreme that while it is the perfection of all other virtues it cannot itself be perfected of any not even by obedience for even the obedience of love acquires all its merit from his goodness whom we love truly loving we obey as obeying we love but the virtue of such obedience lies in his excellence whose love inspires us god is at once the final end as well as the first cause of all that is good and his love is likewise the beginning and end of all perfection chapter ten the heathen virtues were very imperfect the philosophers of old spoke eloquently of moral virtue 
and even of religion itself but what plutarch says of the stoics may well be applied to all the heathen we see vessels so he writes bearing most noble names victory valor the sun etc but they are none the less subject to the winds and waves and the stoics who boast of being superior to all passions fear sorrow or anger are practically no less the victims of dismay anxiety impetuosity and the like than other men how could we look for any high degree of virtue in men who deliberately rejected the laws of religion seneca for instance wrote freely against all heathen superstitions but that freedom as saint augustine observes existed more in his words than deeds since while teaching men to reject superstition inwardly he allowed their external observance the wise man will accept them out of obedience to the law not as acceptable to the gods what inconsistency there was in those who encouraged suicide when the troubles of life became intolerable and yet maintained that the wise man was superior to all sorrow a happy life forsooth st augustine exclaims to escape from which a man must needs seek death if it be so happy wherefore quit it and surely the famous suicide of cato who thereby escaped what he esteemed indignity was less the token of firm courage than of a weak mind which dared not face adversity either he grudged caesar the glory of sparing his life or he would not stoop to the conqueror he hated and even if we allow that this was courage we cannot call it wisdom or fortitude no cruelty is so savage as that which is in cold blood and deliberate and it is the same with despair again of lucretia st augustine says if she was indeed chaste wherefore should she have slain herself because she feared the shame which might have been cast on her had she lived but is it right to slay the innocent to escape from the lash of man's opinion ought honor to be preserved at the expense of virtue or reputation at the cost of justice but such were the virtues of the best of heathen moreover they utterly disregarded the love of others even legally trampling such a rule under their feet even aristotle and seneca asserted that deformed or sickly children ought to be put away and that an inconveniently large family might be reduced by abortion or the exposure of the weakest members surely these are they of whom st paul says that professing themselves to be wise their foolish hearts were darkened and they became fools romans chapter one the end of all pagan virtue was this world's fame and no virtue is really such without good motive or intention the council of orange has said that the point of heathen good works lay in earthly love that of the christian in heavenly love and st augustine says that their virtues were only external 
not having a sound foundation, and at the judgment day their good works will rise up to the mitigation only of their condemnation, not to their salvation. Vainglory was the repressing power among them against sin, and they despised vanity for very vanity's sake as when Diogenes, trampling Plato's draperies underfoot, replied to the owner's demand what he was doing, I trample on the pride of Plato. It may be so, was Plato's reply, but it is with yet greater pride. Or remember Seneca on his deathbed, bequeathing to his friends as his best legacy the glorious example of his own life love of praise was the source of such men's virtue in the greek the ruby and carbuncle bear a name signifying both fiery and flameless for these precious stones shine like fire yet are cold and incapable of being inflamed so the fathers have called heathen virtues at once real and unreal because in spite of their seeming brightness they were not instigated by the love of God. We might liken them to worm-eaten fruit, which outwardly is fair to see, but within is rotten to the core. Granted that Cato was a man of courage, but he who would profit by Cato's example should rather seek to die when need is for the truth's sake than out of mere lust of glory. Surely a Lawrence, a Vincent, a Sebastian, a Perpetua, an Agnes, a Catherine, is no less a model of firmness and courage than a Cato or a Lucretia. Chapter 11. All human actions are worthless if performed apart from the love of God. Abraham, the friend of God, had but one son by Sarah, who was his heir, and the other sons by Hagar and Keturah could not enter into the lawful succession, not being recognized by his true wife. For Keturah's children were not born until after Sarah's death, and although she gave Hagar to Abraham, the latter despised her mistress and was cast out before Ishmael's birth. Even so, none save the offspring of holy love are the heirs of god joint heirs with christ romans chapter eight verse seventeen even the best actions without love such as schismatics may perform says saint augustine are worthless though i bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned and have not charity it profiteth me nothing. And if while bringing forth moral virtues, the will is contrary to its lawful ruler, charity, such virtues will be driven forth as profitless, even as Hagar was driven forth from Abraham's house, because their faulty motive deprives them of all merit. A lesson taught by our Lord himself in his parable of the Pharisee, and the publican. Luke chapter 18. The Israelites dwelt peacefully in Egypt so long as Joseph lived, but after his death they fell into bondage, whence the Hebrew proverb, 
which I unworthy learnt from the venerable Genebrand Bishop of Acts, when one brother dies, the others succumb. Thus, while God's love reigns in man's heart, all virtue thrives and prospers. But when once that fails, all the others, Ishmael-like, are cast out and lose their right of heritage. When the righteous turneth away from his righteousness, and committeth iniquity, and dieth in them, for his iniquity that he hath done, shall he die. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 26. Mortal sin effaces all merit. Such good deeds as are performed before a man is guilty thereof are destroyed thereby, and those performed while it reigns in his heart are fruitless and lifeless. The Dead Sea is said to be so accursed that nothing can live therein. The fish which come down the river Jordan quickly die as they approach it, and the fruits which grow on its shores, albeit fair without, within are dust and ashes. Sin, too, is as a moral Dead Sea, which destroys all life in or about the soul which approaches it nor are its fruits merely dead but so poisonous that where it is no branch can bear good fruit and even those which have a fair exterior are void and loathsome our lord tells the bishop of sardis thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead revelation chapter three verse one because his fruits had no savour of love in them where love is, says St. Augustine, all is precious. Where love is not, all is nothing worth. And what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. End of Book 11, Chapter 11